Welcome to Sock Talk from Orange Socks, where we discuss topics affecting people with disabilities. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Nebaker. In this episode, I'm going to talk about employment of people with disabilities. I'm grateful to Dreamscape and the Down Syndrome Research Foundation for the facts and figures. Did you know that there are 48.9 million people in the U.S. with at least one form of a disability? To save you the math, that's like uh, one in five people. Uh, Yep, that's a lot more than you'd think. In the U.S. right now, we have record unemployment. It's like two to three percent. Unfortunately, with people with disabilities, the rate is way higher. Guess what the rate is? If you guessed 10%, you would be wrong. Nope, not 20, not even 30. It's 65%. That's simply amazing to me. While the rest of the country is employed, way more than half of people with disabilities are unemployed. So what do you think that is? I want to be realistic here. Uh, Not everyone with a disability wants employment, and some are unemployable. However, and that's a big however, many are capable of being employed part or full-time, but don't have the opportunity. For some, it's an accessibility issue. If places of business were truly accessible, uh, more people with disabilities could work there. For others, they need some special training and job coaching. Now, I recently visited in San Francisco a program called WorkLink and met with their executive director, Sarah. WorkLink places people with disabilities competitive jobs in businesses in downtown San Francisco. So their clients make at least minimum wage and are considered valuable members of the team in the businesses that hire them. The interesting thing is that many of these people have significant challenges, but WorkLink figured out a job that was needed, trained someone with a disability who was interested in the job how to do it, provided job coaching for a time, and then uh, faded away, leaving the person with a job. I was actually uh, part of a group from Utah that the Division of Services for People with Disabilities organized for a tour. So I met a woman in her 20s, I'll call her Sally, who was employed at a gym. This was one of those high-end celebrity-type gyms, and it's also a a gym where, for example, visiting NBA players go to work out. Anyways, Sally worked in housekeeping. Primarily, she swept and mopped and vacuumed floors. She also cleaned up after meetings. Sally had a lot of abilities, could ride the bus from home to work independently, volunteered at a local food kitchen, and she pretty well had mastered the skills necessary for her job. Now, mind you, this was a high-end gym, and people pay a lot of money for memberships there. Sally's disability was quite visible, but as far as I could tell, she was treated by the other staff and perhaps more importantly, the patrons, no differently than any other employee. And that for me was way cool to see. I was way impressed that the gym was open to hiring her and hats off to WorkLink who approached them to employ Sally. The other person I uh, met, I'll call her Kristen, had Down syndrome and she worked in a clothing store. Kristen would be someone, shall we say, that was on the lower skill range of the spectrum. Her job was to sort hangers. You know, those they hang clothes on that they display on the racks. You know, children, small, medium, large. So when you buy clothing in a store, say pants, for example, they're hung on hangers, right? After you buy the pants, the store clerk puts the hanger in a bin behind the cash register, folds your pants, and put them in the bag. Did you ever wonder about the hanger? Me neither. But think about it. Can you imagine after several hours, a busy store can accumulate a lot of empty hangers? Well, what happens to them? Well, in this case, someone periodically goes to all the cash register and gathers the hanger bins and takes them to the basement. 
but the hangers are a mess. Little ones, big ones, pant hangers, sweater hangers, etc., all mixed together. This is where Kristen steps in. She sorts the hangers, putting the children's sizes on a set of racks, adult, small, medium, large, and extra large on other racks, respectively. Then someone takes these sorted hangers back up on the sales floor where new clothing items are placed on them, and the cycle repeats itself. This was a pretty rote task, and apparently it took some effort to help Kristen learn the task. It wasn't a made-up job. Someone needed to sort the hangers, and she filled the need. She would work pretty much at her own pace. Kristen was valued by the other employees because she was doing something that they didn't want to do. Before they hired Kristen to do that, that's exactly what they would do. They would uh, kind of trade off and, and someone would go to the basement and sort hangers. They don't have to do that anymore with Kristen on board. The jobs I just mentioned are fairly stereotypical, and that's true, but let's be true to life. In the research that I and others have done, the majority of people with disabilities working in competitive employment are employed as janitors and cleaners and stock clerks. This is honorable work, and there's nothing wrong with being employed in those areas. For the two people I described, Sally and Kristen, they like their jobs and we're good at them. My point is, someone is going to be employed to do these tasks. They happen to match these skill sets of people with developmental disabilities, and the businesses hired people with disabilities to fill them and paying at least minimum wage to boot. I noticed the other day at a local burger place, uh, someone with a developmental disability uh, bussing tables. And the grocery store where I shop employs a bagger with disabilities. In fact, that's why I go there, because they employ somebody with disabilities as a bagger. The fun thing for me to see is that they uh, really don't stand out necessarily. They're just like other employees. I really like the comments of a manager at a thrifty store in Canada who, when asked by the Down Syndrome Research Foundation why she hired someone with Down Syndrome, she said, quote, the better question is, why would you not, unquote. That's a great point. At Rise, Orange Sox's uh, parent company, people with disabilities are hired at the front desks of its offices in Utah and Arizona. This was something I insisted upon as the company president, because why wouldn't we? And guess what? It's worked out great. I mentioned Kristen earlier, who was on the low functioning end with Down syndrome, who was job matched, and highlighted others who had a lot of abilities who are employed. Admittedly, none of these people have behavioral challenges. But what about people that exhibit challenging behaviors? Can they be employed? Well, my friend, I'll call her Joy, whose son, and I'll call him Bob, is on the autism spectrum. He rarely speaks and has episodes of self-injurious or aggressive behaviors towards others. Not someone you would think is employable, right? To my surprise, a creative job coach matched Bob with a job at an office of the U.S. Forest Service. What was that job? What I didn't tell you is that Bob has a thing for order and sorting. Alphabetically, by number, by size, you name it, Bob can sort it. His job? Bob sorts maps. You know, big maps. Uh, large photographs of forest lands. Well, what about his aberrant behaviors? He doesn't exhibit them while map sorting, and he doesn't need to communicate with anyone while he's doing it. That is genius. That is the type of creativity on the part of the job coach company and the forest service that can lower unemployment for people with disabilities. With all the examples I have given, none are pity jobs. They are real jobs, and most anyone could be hired to do them, but the businesses chose to hire people with disabilities. Some might wonder, how are people with disabilities and job matched? 
Well, that's a good question. Typically, organizations like RISE, Orange Sox's parent company, have a state contract to supply supported employment. RISE has staff who contact businesses and explore their needs and how someone with a disability could fulfill those needs. Then, a worker matches the job with one of his or her clients. Sometimes the worker has to provide job training to the person to increase their skills. When the person is placed on the job, they get a job coach who shadows the client, making sure they perform the required tasks. At first, that shadowing could be full-time, but over time, it's faded until it's no longer needed and the person is on their own doing the job. And the employer gets a dedicated employee. So it's a win-win situation. That brings me to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening, and keep advocating. Thanks for listening to this episode. Orange Socks is an initiative of Rise Incorporated, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting and advocating for people with disabilities. Follow Orange Socks on Facebook and Instagram, and visit our website, orangesocks.org, for more stories and to find national and local resources to help parents of children with disabilities.